to Three Wheeling, the podcast that is about making friends in your 30s and a little bit of what we're consuming as well. I'm Sasha Kelly. I'm Sasha Kelly. I said that very oddly, didn't I? I'm Sasha Kelly. I'm a Melbourne-based podcast producer and I'm joined as always by my wonderful friend, Laurel Henning, who is a Sydney-based journalist. But at the moment, you're over, oh gosh, is it the Tasman Sea on the yonder side? It is the Tasman Sea, over the ditch, as they say. Over the ditch in New Zealand. That is not a New Zealand accent. That was just a strange noise I chose to make. (laughs) That was good. I I thought that was good. But what do I know? And I was about to go, yeah, I'm in Willington. That's my attempt. (laughs) Look, we're being highly offensive, I think, to probably (laughs) any of our New Zealand friends. But um, there you go. Laurel, let's dive straight into it. Have you made friends? I was going to say, have you made friends and influenced people this week? But you don't have to have influenced them. You can just have made a friend. Do you know what? The number of times I ask that question when we do this podcast and it's so tempting to say that as well. Yeah. So don't yeah. worry, we've all been there apparently. <laughs> I'm I'm going to put it on the record. I'm not firing on all cylinders today. I am very, very slow, which will come apparent very soon. But go ahead. Tell me, tell me what, how you've been making friends. Yeah, and just some disclaimers from my end. I'm in a hotel room in Wellington, which has like not the best soundproofing probably. And I'm not in, I'm basically not in my wardrobe as I am usually Mm. talking into into pillows. So all of those disclaimers up front. Well, I last night in Wellington went for dinner with someone I used to know in Brussels. So I just feel like while not a new friend made, that was just a delightful reconnection of someone that I knew when I was living in Brussels four and a half years ago. So that was really nice. And she lives in this beautiful, like, wood-cladded, panelled, whatever you say, house up on, like, a mountainside outside of Wellington, which, for those of you not familiar with the landscape of Wellington, it's a city based, like, down in a valley between mountains on a harbour and so she's up above the city looking down and across these amazing mountains and while we were in her garden having a glass of wine these like rare parrots just came and sat with us it was just a lovely lovely moment that sounds idyllic the cacas i think they're called cacas but i could be pronouncing that in an incredibly offensive and wrong way for which I apologise. But how have you been making friends? I've been just crafting my way. I think like if craft, if a sudden like desire to craft in numerous, how would you say like a surplus of crafting? Maybe that's the word I'm looking for. I um, mean, if that was a sign of anything, then I am a beacon because <laughs> <laughs> I have crafted a lot. Um. Anyway, what was I going to say? Friends, friends. I'm going to have to edit this down. Um. Well, so are these still your nails? The these are my nails audacious nails. Episode, getting a I'm going to get them done this weekend to replace them because we've, I'm going to very fancy podcast awards on Monday and I would like to look like my best self or even better than my best self. And I've decided that nails are a part of that identity of Sasha. Um, There's something about having your nails done that really just feels like you've got your shit together. And I think we might have already said that on the podcast, but I'm saying it again. I'm here to bang that message home I've always um, had terrible but I keep interrupting no, no, right. you I've always had terrible nails so I've never kind of really lent into them but since I've had these I've just really really enjoyed it um okay so 
In a very Sasha-esque series of decisions, I went out for drinks with a friend of mine a couple, maybe a month ago, and we ran into another one of our mutual friends and they're both musicians and they were talking about the fact that they'd both been booked for this gig and they had another person in the circle with them and we're all talking about a composer that we all like and they're talking about this gig that they're booked for and I went, oh, that sounds fantastic. I love that composer, just as a generic offhand. And then this other woman standing in this circle said, I'm invited to that and I have a plus one. Do you want to go with me? And so having never met her before and having had a rather tipsy conversation, because it was about midnight at the pub, none of us, I would say, were drunk, but we're having a really good time. You were enthused. We're enthused. Infused yes. and infused. <laughs> and um, I went, that sounds like a great idea. We swapped <laughs> details and um, and then popped off into the night, you know, went on our merry way. And then she wrote to me a week later and said, I'm, I am just filling out those RSVPs. Um, or were you serious about wanting to come? Um, I'll put your name down. Uh, do you have any dietary requirements? And I said, oh, I'd love to. Like, who doesn't want to go to, well, maybe lots of people don't want to go. This is a true friend date and I'm so <laughs> invested. And I went, yeah, that sounds great. Gave no thought to it. Anyway, the event was last night and sometimes I just say yes to things and I don't really think much more about them. And so I dressed I dressed nicely, but I didn't really look up the event or really try to understand what it was. I knew it was about film composers in Australia. Some echoes of last episode, one might argue, with the, uh, the, the appearance of the green coat. Let it not be forgotten. Yes. Yes. So maybe this is a common theme in my life. Yes. The reading of instructions, not a strength. <laughs> so I turn up and Missy Higgins is there in front of me. Shut up. In like a really nice outfit. Oh my God. And I went, ah, okay. So it's going to be one of those events. I was thankfully quite well, like looked nice. So it was okay. But then I'm lining up and I see another friend of mine getting in the queue and she's like, what are you doing here? And I went, oh, funny story. I'm, I'm here as a date for someone I've met once. I'm her plus one. And she went, oh, Oh, okay. Um, I'll see you inside. And I went, yes, because I was waiting for my friend to arrive. I don't know why, but I've been under the impression that I was there because she also didn't really know anyone and needed like a plus one as a buffer. But then she arrived and we walked in and it turned out she knew quite a few people. And immediately I was introduced to two CEOs of rather senior music publication companies and a really famous composer. And I just kind of went, <laughs> I don't really know what I'm doing here. Oh, And they kept God. saying, why? So what do you do? Are you a composer? And I'm going... No, I'm a podcast producer. And they went, oh, what kind of podcast? I went, finance podcast. And then I would just see everyone going, huh, uh, uh, why are you? Didn't mention three wheeling. Then, joking, joking, joking. No, and then my friend would go, we've met once. Isn't that hilarious? <laughs> to which it was funny. But you everyone could see some going, people going, oh. oh my. So the first people we kind of encountered looked really perplexed and like <laughs> that was their worst nightmare. Then thankfully I went and sat down. Oh, and that's the other part is that we arrived to check in and he was like thinking it'd be drinks and canapes and we walk in and the gentleman's like, oh yes, uh, you're at table seven. And it becomes apparent that it's a sit down dinner with assigned seating and little name cards. 
So then I was thinking, oh my gosh, who am I going to be? I'm going to be sat next to someone who's hideously important, Missy Higgins. (laughs) Can you imagine? Hideously important, Missy Higgins. And then I'll be going... Ah, yes. Well, you know, in my time in the music industry, I don't know. But then thankfully, I was sat next to this writing and directing pair who had just had their short film shown at Cannes Film Festival. And they were in the process of writing. Did they have any more info on the Don't Worry Darling drama? No, I did. That was Venice, wasn't it? Sad. I know. I did ask them lots of questions, though, about what it was like. And they said it was amazing but really hot and you have to dress in um, black tie to everything and it's 30 degrees and so they said it's this really weird mix of it's not particularly glamorous when you're there it looks really glamorous but when you're actually there you're going I'm dying of heat I'm so sweaty I'm in the nicest clothes I've ever worn but I feel miserable and then but then they said that you see some just amazing films and network with all these incredible people and it's been phenomenal for their careers so yeah then we became um I became fast friends and they thought our story was fantastic and they went isn't that brilliant I'm so impressed that you're you're here and we had a great chat and I made a new friend and then I went to the after party and um yes you did yes <laughs> I met did. more people and it was just a really fabulous night and I heard some great music and I just at the end I thought oh well there you go you don't find out anything without saying yes but I have been rather fuzzy today and not particularly good at working highly deserved highly deserved i think this story tells us two things one the glory that is the generosity of interests and experiences and friendships if someone's willing to just be like sure take my extra ticket why not you seem like a nice person and an interesting person come along yeah that is great and two these are the musical circles that sasha kelly moves in (laughs) and i love to see it Missy Higgins and I rubbing shoulders. (laughs) So that's my friend making. Thrilled and delighted. Thanks. Thanks. She's knocked it out of the park, folks. She's knocked it out of the park. (laughs) I feel like this is just like, talk about making up for COVID times and unleashing your social skills. My goodness. Sasha the butterfly. She's here. She's 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 batting her wings. The other fun moment that I loved was I ran into one of my dearest friends there inside and he went, what, what are you doing here? And I went, and I told him the whole story and he went, that's possibly the most Sasha story I've heard all year. He went, that's just, you were the last person I expected to see here this evening. And I went, oh, and he said, but not in a, not in an unkind way, just in a like, I'm thrilled that you're here, but I couldn't possibly have come up with a way to explain why you would be. So it was also that, you know, bringing a bit of enjoying um, running into dear, dear friends. Okay, so what have you been imbibing? What have you been consuming this week? Where do you want to start? I feel like we should start with listening because you were just talking about music and I wanted to ask you first but seeing as you've just asked me I guess I'll go I well what I was going to say as a knee-jerk response was I'm just going to say I've been listening to the YouTube video that you literally just sent me this afternoon because that was so good it was wasn't it so that was Dermot Kennedy is that right have I just completely made that up and he was singing 
Taylor Swift's anti-hero on Radio 1's Live Lounge, BBC Radio 1's Live Lounge, and they post lovely videos on YouTube of their Live Lounge performances. I guess just like Triple J would have liked a version. And yeah, it was... I When I was first opening it, I was like, oh, a guy's come along and tried to co-op this song immediately. How rude. And then I thought, no, let's twist it on its head. This is the power of Taylor, and I'm here for it. And also his, like, his angst was really good for that song. It was, wasn't it? I think um, I take your point about um, here's a man to kind of make it masculine and make it worthy in quotations because I always think of her line in that song um, when she says, you'll listen to some indie record that's much cooler than mine. Um, Yes! And... But I do think that when artists cover, it shows the quality of the songwriting. Mm. And I also think it's one of the – like it's a great sign of um, admiration really when you're covering other people's music. Have you been listening to anything else or is that really all you've been listening to? I think that's been a highlight. I feel like I've been in – do you know what I did recently? I cleared out all of my podcasts that I follow because I had been in a podcast rut and I hadn't really been listening to any of them. Dear listener, stick with us. And then I've just been really enjoying returning to a backlog of some of my favourites, so that was really nice. So some of the BBC Books and Authors podcasts, which is basically Open Book and A Good Read, which are two of my all-time favourite book podcasts – but yeah, I think that was just an, an auditory highlight today. So I'm just going to stick with that. That's really good. And what have you been listening to? Look, I'm going to do, I try to stick away from this normally, but I'm going to deviate into this territory just for this month. Um, I have been listening to a lot of like Elon Musk content to mm. kind of understand what's happening around him and Twitter. What is even happening? I know. And I listened to, I have recommended her before, but Kara Swisher has a new podcast. It's called On. Mm. And it's a slightly different format to the ones that I've heard of her previously, where she just did like a straight up interview. This kind of gets a lot more context from her and it has her producer kind of interviews her a lot or has the conversation with her at the beginning. And it's a much more editorial kind of mm. Like, like an editorial, I guess, in the sense that she kind of gives more of an opinion and then she moves across to a conversation or an interview. And I found them quite interesting, but um, she did one this week called um, Somebody That I Used To Know, Kara Swisher on Elon Musk. And her producer went and pulled out clips or recordings of quite a few of Kara's interviews with Elon, like as far back as like the first or second interview that she did with him with another reporter um, and then asks her to kind of comment on the context of their conversation at the time. And I just think um, I kind of had this conversation last night and I'm not sure how um, popular it was as an opinion, but um, I do think that it's too easy to just dismiss him as – an idiot or evil or a megalomaniac or a narcissist. He, he is quite a complicated person and this is a spectacular kind of self-own, or an own goal, I should say, of destroying his own brand. 
but I think it's like mm. far too simple to just kind of write him off. That's my personal feelings on Elon Musk. And so I do think there is like something really, really interesting in this story of what's unfolding because so many people have loved or despised him for the last 10 years, but it seems like he's the only one who's creating this problem now you know he's not being brought undone by anyone except for himself anyway I think Kara articulates that far more eloquently than I just did and she's always she's actually been quite a staunch defender of him not in the sense of just kind of letting him get away with everything but she's always kind of defended the idea that people are complex and people can make mistakes and they can apologize for it and that he does have some good ideas and you can't dismiss all of them but she's really clearly grappling with the latest choices that he's made regarding Twitter and having I'm not a fiendish Twitter user I know you're not either I am finding it like quite an ugly place to be spending any time at the moment so I am kind of considering whether I want to leave the platform yeah, I just think it's a really interesting story how it's playing out. But yeah, we don't normally venture over into that kind of work territory for us. So I was a bit hesitant about bringing it up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Elon Musk buying Twitter is a deal that both mm. of us will have obviously looked at for various work reasons, but looking at it from a personal perspective, I think, yeah. And, and just makes a great, that makes a great point that anyone in the public eye as anyone in general is more than just one thing we are all complex people and that's a really Mm. that's yeah that's a perspective worth exploring and an idea worth exploring especially in this in this situation where yeah he is so often labeled in a in a specific way whatever your view of him may be I think Twitter yeah I don't know I really use it really only for work And so my interactions on it and with it are mainly (laughs) just a lot of journalists talking about weird media geeky things rather than anything else. And I feel like it will just, if it survives, it will remain that kind of a space um, for people. But all something else will take its place where people will share those stories, those media bites and things like that. But... I don't know. It remains to be seen. But I wonder what Jack Dorsey, former owner of Twitter, is Yeah, I know. Sitting there and thinking, yeah. And I think it's just such an interesting study of like what makes you brilliant at that kind of work. Being an Mm. entrepreneur, being a CEO, being someone who runs companies and, and really scales companies, like not a leader of the ship, but someone who's really trying to develop new ideas and be quite revolutionary. Sometimes the characteristics that make you good at that also make you a very hard person to live with or be around personally. Or maybe someone that you don't want to really surround yourself with in when times are tough as they are at the moment. So I'm not really that surprised. But anyway, um, so that's what I've been listening to. But what I've been watching, and I wonder if you've been watching it too, well, I've watched it, is The Crown season five. I haven't watched it yet because, as as you know, I'm a one streaming service at a time gal. Right. And because I'm enjoying, what have I been enjoying? Great British Bake Off and the second season of White Lotus on mm. binge. I haven't come back to Crown yet slash haven't got the login, uh, my boyfriend yet, to watch it which he said he would share with me so this is me now putting this on the record that I am owed a Netflix login (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, am I allowed to talk about it or how much do you want to know, not want to know? Oh, babe, it's basically history. Just go ahead. I know. It's like, it's basically reality. <laughs> Look, I was really impressed with this season. I think I was a bit dubious about, because it's still probably too early for my like formative, it's part of my formative memories, but I wasn't, you know, old enough to really be understanding what was happening in the news. And so I was a bit concerned that it would either go be too generous or be a little bit too revisionist history. And what I think it has done really well is have a a little bit of a different lens on maybe what the tabloid kind of coverage of things were. I thought for me, the standout moments were tampon gate. I thought they really played into the fact, which I had heard um, talked about before, but for me, it really illustrated how in love Charles and Camilla are and how much of a conversation it really was about two lovers being kind of silly with each other and it being mm. like a, clearly a joke um, and it being an incredibly private and intimate joke that was taken and then reprinted in the pub in the papers as – kind of almost a kink-shaming, fetishizing kind of moment with the future king of England. Um, and I thought the show did a really good way of spelling out how ridiculous the story was. Um, and I think also it's really – I've just been really surprised at how much it's humanised Charles, actually. I, I think he and Camilla uh, – Camilla in particular, I think, uh, comes across as though she got dealt – quite a tough hand and dealt with it really, really well. She doesn't really have much voice in the series, but it does illustrate how big the conversation was around Charles and Diana. Elizabeth Debicki is outstanding casting as Diana. She looks incredible. She does. I've got to say the only thing is that, I mean, I guess it's reflective of how Diana was at the time. She doesn't laugh a lot. She doesn't really have many moments of any joy so I think in that way it becomes a little bit of a character not a character just too harsh a word but I think it would have been nice to see what had brought her personal joy in those moments in those years towards the end but maybe there wasn't a lot probably wasn't it was a very hard time I think probably yeah Mm, um yeah I think my only mm. I'm sort of fascinated and I can't wait to watch it but I do feel, well, it'd be interesting to see what you think of this, but whereas the early series was so about the crown, the queen, the crown as this overarching idea that structured all of their lives, which I guess it still is even in that love triangle because that's the reason that Charles didn't marry Camilla initially. But now it feels like it's basically a series about Diana and that wasn't what it was initially and I and I liked that it wasn't it wasn't even really specifically about the queen it was about this whole idea of of that and I and I have slight reservations over it just being a series about Diana but I should say that I think that's been the focus of a lot of the coverage around it but to me this season was because we're obsessed we're all absolutely obsessed yeah but to me this season was very much actually more about the understanding of the crown as a symbol by Charles and how that differed from his mum or his mother 
and the kind of inbuilt uh, tension that starts happening when the queen had has really because the early season she's defining herself and now it's really she's really got this identity of she's been there for 40 years she's outlasted many a prime minister she has reservedly kept her you know determinedly through the years kept her mouth shut and not commented on things and Charles has really moved out of his angsty teenage 30 year old years and is now a fully grown man who has quite a strong sense of self and wants to be quite different as a monarch and is now waiting to be that monarch and is trying to shape what is happening before before I think it's quite ironic that ironic maybe is the wrong word but it's it's interesting because it's about the 90s but it's really talking about what Charles has just done which is ascend the throne and so it's about the fact that in the 90s that was when he started talk- thinking very definitively about the type of king he wanted to be. So that's my impression of it. And then I just always enjoy, you know, there's a couple of little Prince uh, Philip moments and Princess Anne is just brilliant. Um, and there's Princess always just- Princess Anne a- continues to be a standout character of the crown. I just, yeah, Fantastic. Brilliant. Yeah. And so there's just a couple of little, little moments when, you know, stories and personalities and characters that you think, that you suddenly jump on Google and go, is that person real? And then you go, oh gosh, didn't know that. Every episode um, I did, I would do that when I was watching it. Yeah. I yeah. look forward to watching it. What have you been watching? So I have been taking a little, well- I've just mentioned the second season of White Lotus, which Mm -hmm. I am enjoying so far. Mm -hmm. Um, But I have (laughs) so belatedly, I don't think you can even call it belatedly when it's 20 something years after the fact that this series came out. But I am watching for the first time Freaks and Geeks. Oh, interesting. I've never seen it. Yeah. And so this was a one series comedy show that came out in 2000 slash 2001 but basically launched the careers Mm. of Seth Rogen, Jason Segel, um, James Franco, Busy Phillips, Linda Cardellini who was then in ER like it's just and I remember at the time everyone talking about it and I remember the influence of because it's set in the 80s it's like a high school sitcom set in the 80s but with all these modern elements to it because of when it came out and I remember that influencing fashion I remember seeing like sort of teen fashion magazine articles about freaks and geeks fashion but I don't I I never watched it and so it's really interesting going back and watching it now but I'm really enjoying it oh good I've only heard just comments about it and I think um I've gone off James Franco in recent years and he's he's someone who I've kind of had to really wrestle with the fact that his public person his private person and public person are probably not the same thing and so I've just found yeah I left James yeah. by the wayside. I, I, he, yeah, his public persona makes me or sorry yeah how, who he perhaps actually is makes me feel a bit but in terms of I was just watching a clip as well of Busy Phillips being interviewed because in her book she references the whole thing about him blowing up at her on set and all this kind of stuff but when she's being interviewed about it she says yeah but James Franco and I are friends and we've spoken about this and he's apologized to me and I've accepted Mm. it and it really upset me that when the book came out this is what the 
everyone was talking about. And she said, the whole point of my book was to talk about the fact that as a woman, my experience of Hollywood was a certain thing, especially as a teenager, and how it was different for men. And the result of writing that book was that everyone clickbaited on a story about a dude. (laughs) Yeah. And how frustrating that was for her. And she said, this is not a new story. This is something that James Franco and I had talked about on a panel years previously. She had talked about publicly before, but I think because of the cultural climate when the book came out, it became about James Franco as well. And I think that's a really interesting dynamic. So yeah, think of him what you will, think of her what you will, whatever, whatever, whatever. Freaks and Geeks, it's a fun little comedy show. What about reading? What have you been reading? I have just finished. I've been very ambitious with the amount of books I've brought with me for a week in New Zealand, but because I'm not really with anyone for the first few days until I see my aunt at the weekend, I'm like, I'm going to do so much reading. Anyway, on the plane, basically, I finished Hilary Mantel's the late and great Hilary Mantel, writer of the Wolf Hall trilogy, among other books, and Booker Prize winner twice over, at least, I think, maybe three times, at least twice. Anyway, um, her memoir, which is called Giving Up the Ghost. And oh. my aunt, yeah, my aunt bought it for me for my birthday because she also loves Hilary Mantel, and Hilary Mantel passed away around the time of my birthday, so it was all sort of tied up neatly in a little bow and on our minds for things to things to suggest is reading and this book is basically about one woman's battle with her own health and body and particularly about the impact that she was consistently misdiagnosed for what was eventually diagnosed as endometriosis and that affected her fertility as it obviously and frequently does and then the treatment that she had had and by the time she was operated on meant that she couldn't have a child and so she entered menopause basically at 27 yeah and it talks about her essentially giving up the ghost of this child that she thought that she would have and but the way that she talks about the treatment of women in the medical system in the 70s and early 80s is so good and also so infuriating. Mm. Um, and the number of medications she was given, she ended up in a on a psychiatric unit because of the side effects of medication that she was being given. And then she talks about how, but once you're a published writer, people don't mind that you've got all of these things going on in your head sort of thing. So that was also really interesting, like the perceptions of um, eccentricities or however we might perceive them, let alone people's mental health and struggles therein. It's a fantastic read. It's not an easy read, but it was really, really interesting. And her ability to write and craft a sentence is obviously genius level because of what she's written but I just want to hammer that home so the book is called Giving Up the Ghost and it's by Hilary Mantel and I think it was published in about 2003 but it's well worth revisiting. I'm going to give a little bonus recommendation I don't think I've recommended this before but just talking about endometriosis I don't personally suffer suffer from From it it. but there is also a fantastic Mm. piece by Lena Dunham have you read that which I found one of the most exemplary uh, demonstrations of why she's I think she's a brilliant writer have I recommended maybe when we've talked about Lena Dunham before we've talked about this piece but let's highlight it again well I'm going to link it anyway 
Yeah, because I just think it's well worth reading and I've, I've sent it to anyone who's ever challenged me on whether Lena Dunham is talented. Also, her show on Amazon Prime, um, Catherine called Birdie, is brilliant and really good fun to watch. But I've been reading – I am – I'm um, – I've just been really, really social lately, so I haven't actually read as much as I was intending to, but I have been working gradually through, um, it's a bit connected to my listening to last week, which is Flex and Frooms. It's by um, Flex Mommy, who is the flex part of Flex and Frooms, and it's called The Success Experiment, and it is just pure self-help book, um, but really about kind of drilling down on finding out what you want and how to make it happen. And um, I just, after we worked with her and after we did the interview with her and I just found the way that her mind works, like really interesting to be around because we chatted with her about half an hour after the microphone stopped recording and then listening to her podcast. And I just think, I don't necessarily agree with everything, but it's a really interesting distill it's a really interesting way to distill some ideas. And I, I just think, um, any self-help is, is good. I, I like spending some time being challenged by some ideas and thinking about, um, thinking about myself in that way. Can you just say what it's called again? Yes. It's called the success experiment. I love that. Also, I think we should link, because I didn't do this for the last episode, but I think we should link to the episode that YAGC did with her because, yes. I think that will give for our overseas listeners who maybe don't know Flex Mummy, it will be a really good intro into who she is, what she's like. Yeah, I've recommended her to a couple of people lately and a friend of mine sent me a message last week saying, Sasha, I just don't quite understand what she does or who she is. And I said, "I'm, I'm not really sure how to explain it because she just seems to make money being her, you know, just promoting things or talking about things or being on the, I guess she's just a radio, a true podcast and radio success story. Have planes followed me to Wellington? Is that on my end? I think end? so. Wow. I think so. It's like a propeller yeah. plane going over at a low, low altitude. It can't be over you where you are in Wherever Melbourne. Wherever Laurel me. is, planes appear. It's people That's flying to me happening. into my heart. <laughs> Oh dear, well, I think that's it for today, is it? On that bombshell. On that bombshell. Let us us come into land smoothly at the end Mm. of this episode together, which has been a treat, a joy and a delight. As always, uh, you can always reach out to us where threewheelingpod at gmail.com or come and follow our Instagram journey, which is, what's our handle again, Laurel? threewheelingpod slide into our dms tell us your friend making success stories or not tell us what's been challenging you with making friends let's see if we can maybe let's get some agony aunt situation on the go i know uh we have a correspondent who is desperate to play an agony aunt row desperate is probably the wrong word but we have a very eager agony aunt waiting to take your calls listeners so send in your i would love to be an agony aunt i'm not sure i'd be any good at it but it seems fun anyway i'll talk to you soon Oh, bye. I shouldn't say I talk to you soon. That's. <laughs> We're not going to talk to any listeners soon. Well, I am. I know lots of them. <laughs> I'll stop talking now. Bye. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye bye.